Good morning. Welcome. My name's Adam. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Sometimes when we meet people, we would shake their hands. We used to do that or hug or some other kind of greeting. And clearly, we, we can't do that and we miss the social interaction. So I just want to pause for a moment and say, if you are watching online on Facebook, there is the opportunity to say hello in the chat. Now, some people do this most weeks, but I'm aware that there's some people who probably never do it, and we would like to say hello to you. So why not interact, say hello, introduce yourself. If you're new, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to connect with you in whatever way we can. And at the moment, connection looks like using lots of tech. It's not, it's not the best but we're trying to do the best of what we can. So if you're watching and you're on the Facebook page, say hello. We'd love to connect with you in whatever way we can. On the subject of connection, as a church, we want to adhere to all safety guidelines, but where possible, create moments where we can have some connection, some dialogue, some discipleship, and create some good times. Next Sunday, we're going to have an outdoor service. Uh, in Berkeley again. We're making every preparation again to, to keep it safe, bring your own chairs, hand sanitizer, and so on. But if you can come along, please do come along. If you've been near somebody who has symptoms of COVID-19, please don't attend. But if you haven't, please do attend. We will do everything we can to keep you safe, and it will be great to be together. Also on this sense of togetherness ideas, We've been doing some work here at the Tory Street Parsonage, the outdoor space especially. Um, we've got some Let's Connect events. This Thursday evening, there's going to be a worship event outside. It's going to be small. There's going to be 20 places you need to book on if you'd like to attend. The link will be on the Facebook page, also in the comments as I'm speaking. If you can come along to that, that would be wonderful. We would love to see you there. Also... as we gather, as we watch our online services. Sometimes we watch them on our own. A few months ago, I think it was two months ago now, I introduced the idea of what we called circles. In the beginning of the story of Acts, the story of the early church, we read of the early followers of Jesus meeting with their friends, people that they knew, people that were close to them, and seeking God together. And we said, why don't we adopt a similar pattern where everyone has some circle of influence, their friends, their neighbors, maybe friends from church, maybe friends that you have that live in the street. Why don't we encourage people uh, in a safe manner to gather in a small number and watch the online service together? If you haven't tried that, if you haven't engaged with that, if we can help you, we would like to help you. Email us, officer.sccma.com. This isn't a small group model where we're going to assemble a group around you. What we're encouraging ourselves to do is to look around and say, what is my circle? Which for me, it's the people that live near me. It's the friends I've got, um, people that I've met. And we're saying, hey, why don't you come and explore church with us? We're hearing incredible stories of people who would be hesitant to attend a church in the traditional sense of here's a building and it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday. But the idea of calling around someone's house for coffee and watching online church uh, they seem to say yes to that. So may I encourage you to engage with this idea if you can. And then lastly, as we have been seeking to do some renovation work here to this facility, it's incredible what you find. The more work you do, the more work you realize you need to do. 
we would benefit from some help. We've got some sheds to build. We've got some equipment to move. If there are people that have time that are available in the week, if there's anyone that's good at building sheds, we would love to meet you. Again, message the Facebook page or contact us, office at sscma.com. We would welcome your assistance. Okay, changing track. The last 10 weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Acts, which is the story of the new church. It's an ancient story, but it feels so fitting in light of 2020 because it is the story of the church forming and reforming, shaping and then reshaping. And it keeps changing shape and it keeps having different ideas. And we'll meet like this and now we'll meet like this. And then we'll meet here and then we'll be scattered and we'll move and we'll meet there. Uh, It's quite an encouraging story. We're going to have a look at Acts verse 10, and then we're going to take a break in the series for a while, and then we'll come back to it. I want to introduce this, this passage. feels, again, really quite timely. This week, there have been days when I have been excited by the tangible sense of God at work in and around me, in the world I see. There have been moments where I've had conversations with people about faith. And I have been inspired and encouraged. I've even had to stop myself and say, did you hear what that person just said? There is an incredible opportunity where God is not asleep. God is active and present. There have been other times when I've watched the news and I have been beyond perplexed at racism and violence and greed and slander and it just feels like the world's a crazy mess but i'm confident that god has a plan i'm confident that god is not absent i'm confident that god is close and i'm confident that so often the answers that we need are found in jesus i've got a little example here that felt like it was for the children or for younger people but actually i think it might be for all of us i saw this puzzle Let me show you this, and then I'll introduce the reader that we've got today. Have a look at this puzzle. This is an assortment of pieces. I cut these pieces out, and I was moving them around, and I still couldn't make any shape. Some of you may have seen this. Have a look at it now. Now, there's some of you that are getting close to the TV or your phone. Now, normally when there's these kind of visual puzzles, there's someone in the room goes, oh, yeah, I see it straight away. And there's other people like me that are like, I don't see anything. What are you looking at? Now, if you look carefully, it's Jesus. This is quite an interesting introduction because I believe that whilst at times we can feel like we're surrounded by an unsolvable puzzle, And in some ways, the world and the news this week has looked and sounded like an unsolvable puzzle. I believe that wisdom is found in Jesus. So we're going to read Acts 10. The reader this morning is Sharon Anderson. For those who know Sharon, she is a gift to everybody that she interacts with. She's been a gift to this church for some time, for many years. She is someone who is a leader, not because she needs a title or an announcement, but because of who she is. Her wisdom is a blessing. In recent times, she's 
been counseling and supporting people. And I know from the many people that she's interacted that they're so grateful for who she is and the contribution that she makes in their life. So it's my privilege to introduce our reader today, Acts 10. Take it away, Sharon. Good morning, South Shore. This morning I'll be reading from Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything unpure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and he said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Taking with him, Peter went outside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man unpure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you've sent for me? Cornelius answered, 
Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me, and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what's happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses who God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Thank you, Sharon. And welcome back. So Acts 10. I believe that there's something in this story that speaks to us today. So I want us to camp down in this story. And we're going to kind of walk through the story. And I want to encourage you to listen, not just for what you've heard before. For many of us, we, we may have read this passage before. I want to encourage you to be attentive. Uh, I believe that this portrays and, and gives us a glimpse of God's heart. It's a story about two people, Peter and Cornelius. It's a story about two different ethnicities. And it's a story about what God was and is doing in the world. So let's jump in with the introduction. A man named Cornelius. It introduces him as a centurion of the Italian regiment. In the original translation and cultural context, the regiment translated spira, which means cohort, which is roughly 100 men under the command of a centurion. Therefore, Cornelius is a captain. He's described as being devout, God-fearing, respected, even by some of the Jews. But he is not a Jew himself. Therefore, he was seen as an outsider. 
who is excluded from God's covenant and from the benefits. Cornelius has a dream. And in this dream, an angel appears to him. And in the dream, he hears this voice. God has noticed your prayers and your gifts. God has noticed. Now, this is interesting. This is the public life and this is the private life. The private life is the prayers, the behind closed doors when you're in your bedroom late at night or early in the morning when you pray in those moments God notices and for Cornelius God is saying I've noticed the sincerity of your prayers which is the private life and then the public life I've noticed that what goes on in private changes the way you are in public I've noticed your gifts to others others by definition meaning other people have seen and experienced them it's the private and the public and God notices it all. Now, for some of us, there are times where we wish God would not notice it all, but he does. And in his grace, he forgives us and he wants us to live well. He wants us to live good lives in private and in public. Now, there's something going on here in the private and public. It's similar to what you say and then what you do. Later New Testament writer James wrote this, some will say you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. What James, this New Testament writer, is saying is you can't just have words without actions, and you can't just have actions without words. You need to have both. It is the private and the public, like Cornelius, the prayers that no one hears and the actions that everyone sees. Both are important. Jesus later expanded. No, Jesus earlier expanded this with a similar teaching where he said, by their fruit, you will know them. This is what he meant. There are some people and they've got all the right words. They say the right things. They look the part. They, they may present something that, that appears a certain way. But look at the fruit the fruit is the byproduct. If you look at a tree, the fruit the, 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 the tree or the plant produces is a byproduct of what's going on in the plant, in the tree. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. It's the public and it's the private. When I was young, my grandfather uh, organized a Sunday school on Sunday afternoons for families and children from a um, probably from a poorer area. And he did this for years and years. And loads of children, loads of kids, loads of families were, were blessed and encouraged by this. For many of those families, the kids didn't go anywhere else. Sunday afternoon, that kind of kids club was a highlight. Now, I know from some of the stories that I've heard that what you see and what actually goes on around the scenes, the setup, the clearing up, the putting the chairs out, the being there on the cold and the damp, um, when sometimes things don't go to plan, there was so much that happened behind the scenes. And it reminds me, when I consider my grandfather's example of Jesus' teaching, by their fruit you will know them. It's not just what you see, it's what you don't see. And Cornelius is affirmed in this dream because of the private and the public. Now, Jesus is the ultimate example of the private and the public. His words always were reflected in his actions. And I believe as Jesus followers, 
ours should be too. I believe when I look at the complexity of the world and the noise of the news, I believe that Jesus' followers whose words and actions reflect the heart of God are what communities need to see and hear at this time. I believe that strongly. So back to the story. Cornelius has a dream, and in this dream it's to send for Peter. Listen to the details. Send men to Joppa to look for Peter, who sometimes, by the way, goes by the name of Simon. He's staying at another person called Simon's house, and he's a tanner, and he lives by the sea. Now, Joppa, which is known today as Jaffa, was a significant port city in Israel. It had a large population. These details are really random. If you were given directions to someone, and the directions went, go and find someone called Simon, who sometimes goes by a different name, and he's in this large port city staying in a house by the sea. Well, most houses by the sea. It's a port city. And he'll be staying with this person, and he's a tanner. And the details are remarkable, but also really accurate. Now, what's interesting is there is no explanation. There is no why. There is no go there because I'm going to do this. There is this, I want you to do this without necessarily explaining why. And Cornelius follows accordingly, sends men to find them, to invite this person back. Let's now go to the other side of the story. A man named Peter. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. He was in the inner circle of Jesus, with Jesus' friends. He was close. He is the one who Jesus promised, on you I will build my church. And Peter is a Jew. Peter also has a dream. In this passage, it says that Peter was hungry. And he, in his dream, it was like a trance and there was heaven and food appeared on a, on a sheet or on a canvas. Some New Testament scholars have said like a banquet table, which echoes something of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, where there's a banquet table of all sorts of food with everyone invited to the event. And the voice says to Peter, get up, kill and eat. Now, some of the animals, some of the food in the dream was restricted for Jews. They weren't allowed to have that. Peter says, surely not. And I imagine it almost in a slightly self-righteous religious tone. And the response is, do not call anything or anyone impure. Do not see anyone in a lesser light. What God is doing, what God is making clean, do not call unclean. And it says that this challenge happened multiple times. So we return to the story, another unique dream. Why wandering? Peter is inwardly perplexed. Cornelius' men arrive and tell their story, Cornelius' dream. Like a puzzle with various pieces, it doesn't make much shape yet. But Peter feels compelled to go, to travel and to see what God's going to do. So he does. Peter arrives at his house. I imagine it's awkward. These cultural divisions were so ingrained, so stuck. They were both historic, but yet they were so in the present. Sometimes with the people not even knowing that they were working with this sense of contrast around race and ethnicity and religion. And, and I imagine it's slightly awkward. 
So much so that Peter, the first thing he says when he enters the house is, you know I shouldn't be doing you this. You know that our people and your people don't mix. We don't do life together. There's something not right about this. But he feels compelled to do it. Cornelius, who is used to honor, remember he's a captain, over-honors Peter, bows down. Peter says, don't be silly. We don't need to do that. But there is this, how do we come together? Jews, non-Jews, some people who are privileged, some people who are not privileged, they're excluded. I want to just sidestep from the story for a moment and explain this a little bit more. So in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, there is a moment where God reveals himself in a powerful way to someone called Abraham. And he says, I want to make a covenant with you and your people, and your people will be my people. And it begins the story of what we know is the community of God, the people of God. In the Old Testament, they're known as Israel, and they are the people of God, the Jews. But, and it's a strong but, it was always God's desire that as one family is blessed, all families, all persons will be blessed. In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis 12, we read this. And this is a passage to Abraham. All people on earth will be blessed because of you. The tragedy was that the people of God, Israel, twisted the doctrine of election into one of favoritism, became filled with racial pride, blending nationalism and faith together, fueling hatred to those on the outside. Those on the outside were labeled as dogs as they established traditions that kept them apart. This was never the heart of God. This is not the heart of God. Jesus demonstrated a different way. We must too. So returning to the story. A great Bible scholar by the name of John Stott wrote this in his commentary on this passage. Peter has responded boldly to the challenges of sickness and death. How will he respond to the challenges of racial and religious discrimination? Peter begins by stating the cultural prejudice and exclusions that exist, yet recognizes, and he was uncomfortable with this, hence the repetition in the dream, that God is doing something new and God is bringing people together who previously were not together. Peter's learned that. Cornelius explains his dream and the puzzle begins to make a clearer picture. Peter says, I now realize that God does not show favoritism, but accepts everyone from every nation. Favoritism, ethnicity, cultural, even religious differences are being leveled by the power of the cross that brings everyone together in the good news that is the gospel of Jesus. The different pieces of the puzzle are beginning to make a shape that's a beautiful shape. This was always God's plan. This is the heart of God, which is unity. Cornelius, who still does not know why God has so wonderfully dovetailed these two visions together, invites his friends, neighbors, and family to hear. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Again, sometimes we read these passages, we know them so well. 
Let's consider the very random invite that Cornelius' friends and family received. He said, I want you to come over to my house around this time. There's someone I want you to hear. I can imagine his friends going, really? Who is this person? He says, I, I don't know. He says, okay, what is it he's going to say? What's the message? Of which Peter, Cornelius says, yeah, I don't know that either. There is this intriguing mystery that is being revealed, which so often is the heart of God. Sometimes we think we know it all. We don't know it all. The beautiful picture is being revealed. So Cornelius, and it sounds like he's got his own circle going on, invites his circle, which are the people that he knows, his friends, his family, people that he sees. He says, come round. I want to explore this together, which again, it's why we're doing circles. Come round. Let's explore this together. Verse 33, we read this. Now we are all together in the presence of God. This is a beautiful moment. People that previously would not meet, would not do life together, would not worship together, are being joined. And in that moment, there is a fresh awareness of God's presence. They're not in a temple. They're not in a religious service. They're in normal everyday life. And in those moments of normal everyday life, there is a fresh awareness that God is close. God is here. He's not somewhere else. And God is pleased with this gathering. God was the one who brought it together. Peter preaches the gospel. The message that they didn't entirely know they were going to get is the message that they need to hear more than any other message. Peter explains the story of the life of Jesus. And the life of Jesus tells us what he taught and how he modeled how we should live as well. His gospel message talks about the death of Jesus, which is the sacrifice that we need for our sins, our errors, that Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay. And then Peter tells the story of the resurrection, which affirms that Jesus isn't dead. He is the Son of God. He's alive. A full gospel must contain those elements, not just one of them. It is the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Peter explains that to this mixed crowd in someone's house. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit appears. So often we pray, come Holy Spirit. If we were to consider what's the environment we need to create for the Holy Spirit to come. Feels like an environment where there's diversity, but yet there is a clarity of the gospel message that's being preached. And that people are saying, hey, come and hear this. Come and explore this. Come and learn this together. Different people, different ethnicities, different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds. The gospel appears and is proclaimed, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes, and they did not expect that. Peter is stunned, astonished. No one expected this. Peter says, no one can stand in the way of being, of the, in their way of them being baptized. What is happening inside of them needs to go on and change what we see outside of them. Bringing this all together, no one can stand in their way. Sadly, in life and in church history, 
and even in modern day history, there are people who try and stand in the way of others. This was never the heart of God. God is doing something new. And the picture that looked messy is taking shape and is looking beautiful. I believe that you are one of the pieces of the puzzle. And you're different. And you've got a different story and a different experience. And some moments that went well and some moments that really didn't go to plan. And we're diverse. We have cultural backgrounds. We have different accents. We have different ethnicities. We have different skin colors. But God is bringing it all together, which is this beautiful story of this banquet, this table. I believe that you are an important piece of the puzzle. And when you're absent, we miss you. I want all people to come and hear the story of Jesus. I believe that all people are invited to the party. I believe that we are the people of God and we are different. But when our stories come together, I believe there is a oneness. It's not a oneness because our stories are diluted and our backgrounds and our differences are all blended together because they're not. They coexist. And I love the fact that we, as a people... As a church, we're different. People think differently. Some people vote differently. But we come together around the story of salvation, the good news of Jesus. I believe the world, more than ever before, needs to hear the message of hope, the message of restoration, the message that is a true picture of unity. I believe that it's words and it's deeds. It's Cornelius's prayers in private and his gifts in public. There's a challenge like there is for Peter. There's a shift. But in those moments, God can take us by surprise. Some people watching this may be hesitant of the idea of a circle. Peter would have been hesitant of this circle, Cornelius's circle. But in that context, there's a moment in that gathering where the Holy Spirit appears in wonderful ways. We need that today. The world needs that today. So may I encourage you today to be part of the story that God is telling and weaving and shaping and forming. May I encourage you to be part of the good news that people need to hear and see. The good news is the good news of Jesus. And may I encourage where you see things that aren't as they should be to be part of the change. I believe that God is at work, is active, is molding, shaping, forming, and reforming. May we, as his followers, be in tune with what God is doing in the world today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story that is mysterious, where you weave a picture that we don't expect for dreams and ideas. And Lord, sometimes we don't understand and we bring our hesitations, but yet you form something beautiful, like puzzle pieces that don't make sense, Lord, you can make a beautiful picture, of which the most beautiful picture is the story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the light of the world. Lord, I pray that we would not just be observers of this story, but we would be participators in it, that we would respond ourselves and that we would be compared, compelled to model, to live and to act in a similar fashion in the world that we live in today. Be with us, I pray, 
clothe us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and take us by surprise. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you would like prayer, if something that's been said you'd like to speak more about, you'd like to ask some questions, or you want some some prayer with someone, if you email us, office at sscma.com, we'll come back to you this week and we'll journey with you as best that we can. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.